Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Take all your sermon notes. Let's get into the Word this morning. I want to talk to you today about under construction. Next week, I'm so ready for the new messages of next week starting in February called John, just like it is, John. Uh, there's always two names, and if this is your name and these names I talk about, please, I'm not trying to make fun of you. But when I was growing up as a kid, there was two names that I never wanted to be. Number one, hey, man, my name is John. That means I had to go to the John. You know what I'm talking about. So I didn't want to be John because I had to go to the John. And then I never wanted to be a Bill because I had to pay Hey, Bill. So, Lord, don't name me John or Bill. So if that's your name, forgive me, but I don't want to be a John and I don't want to be a Bill. Amen. But I love talking about this John. It's not going to the bathroom. It's talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords that God used this John to bless us. Somebody say amen. So I'm not talking about going to the John. I'm talking about going to the Bible in John, right? So we'll be talking about that in February. But anyways, today we want to talk about under construction. You know, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says that he who began a good work in us will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. God is doing construction in us every day. We are always under construction. We're never finished being completed until Jesus comes to take us home. And when he comes to take us home, that means we're ready, we're prepared to meet him in the air and take, he'll take us to the place where he is prepared for us. But in the meantime... We are under construction. And under construction means that God maybe is changing, rearranging some things in our lives each and every day. Over this past 40 years, Cheryl and I were reminiscing about what God has done for us. I told you every year in January, we go over our goals and our vision and where we're going as individuals and our personal lives. And this last year in January, we were thinking about where we've been in 40 years ago. In 40 years, if many of you may not know, but we have been through 18 different building programs in our ministry. That's basically a building program every other year that we have been in through. That when we were youth pastors, we built a huge church there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. You can look it up. It's now called Journey Church. When we were there, it was First Assembly of God. And then we built a church in Oklahoma City, Cathedral of Praise, World Outreach Center. You can see that. Just incredible buildings. And then through all our senior areas of ministry, we were able to build churches. But one of the things that really came to my mind about building, especially the church in Kenosha, was the pilings that they had to build or put on under the ground. They had to drill, and they took an auger, and they drilled in the ground about six feet or eight feet deep, depending on the area of weight of that building. They had to dig six to eight feet down under the ground, and then they had to auger that out, and then they filled that hole with concrete as a footing or a piling in which to place the weight of that building on. Now, this building that we built in Kenosha was so much bigger than Siren High School. The gymnasium is a cracker box compared to the gymnasium that we built there at First Assembly of God, now Journey Church. That church is absolutely phenomenal. It's huge. It's two stories high. It's, and then when they were building that, I remember they would come in and they were perma walls that they built. They were already prefab walls that they already poured at their place of uh, where they build them at. And so they would bring them in and would deliver them. And they almost put them together like pieces of puzzles. And they put them together. And the weight of those things, man, were just incredible. But they placed those weights on those pilings or those, those, those uh, footings and where, man, they knew where the pressure or the weight was going to be. And that what they were doing is they were building on a strong foundation. 
And then once they got the foundation built and the foundation together, then they were able to do the infrastructure of the building. But everything revolved around the foundation in order to do the infrastructure. If your foundation was weak, what would happen was the building would crumble. And in our lives, we need a strong foundation. The foundation of that building would help withstand the wind, the rain, the snow, the, the weather, it would help the, the heat. That foundation or that building was able to withstand the elements that came up against it. And so because of the wind and the rain and the snow and the heat or tornadoes or whatever it may be, it was able to withstand that because it had a strong foundation. And in our lives, if we want to be able to be strong, we have to be having a strong foundation. I love this, the foundation of this. In our world today, there are a lot going on around us. How many of you know there's a lot going on around us, especially right now in our society, we possibly be, could be entering into a war with Russia. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We are on the verge. It's a really heightened. They've just told 20,000 troops to be ready, that they're ready to deploy them and to, to bring them in and be ready for war, get ready to get set up for battle. There's that anxious or that anxiety that we as Americans could possibly be going against war with Russia. And so that's a real nervous thing that's going on around us right now, that Russia and trying to invade Ukraine. And I've been in Ukraine, and we built an orphanage there in Ukraine. I did a pastor conference there in Ukraine, and I've been in Russia, and I did an orphanage there in Russia. And so I know that culture and what it's all about, and they're really lovely people. But when you get mad at something, how many of you know that when you get mad, you want to get revenge? And so right now there's territory. And usually that's what we always fight about. We fight about possessions, territory, you know, priorities, authority, all these different things we always argue about. And that's happening right now. Another thing that we're against is COVID. Man, we're getting out of the first phase of COVID. And now there's the fear of the second strand of COVID coming through. And a lot of people are heightening up for that, that COVID is still coming out with another strand. And so we're still under attack with that. And then our economy. Our economy is up and down. If you have any stocks, you know, one day you're celebrating, the next day you're frowning because our economy is up and down and our economy is, man, going crazy. And now they just up the minimum wage to $15 an hour in some places. And you go to the grocery store. I don't know about you, but I just went to the grocery store and I brought some items. And after I paid for them, I walked away thinking, what do I got in these bags? How I many you know what I'm talking about? Man, man, the food is getting more expensive. And man, our economy. Another one is this, fear. That, man, a lot of people are walking around in fear, unsure, unstable, and a lot of things that are going on around us right now. Man, a lot of fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear is going on. It's, and fear is a real thing. People are really fearful of a lot of things that are happening. And because they're fearful of a lot of things that are happening, they're very agitated. How I many of relate to what I'm talking about? They're very, very agitated. And a lot of times because they're agitated, guess who they take it out on? You. And other, because they're fearful, they're not sure, they're walking with anxiety, they're walking with fear, worry, and, and fret of all these things. And, and then another one that we're, we're, we're being attacked on is our religious beliefs. How many know that we're being even attacked in our religious belief and our stance for God? That they're coming against the churches and they're coming against what we stand for. They're coming against the, the word of God, the validity of God's word. Is God really the son of God or is he just a good man? And a lot of these things that are coming against us are attacked our foundation. 
And if your foundation is weak against the elements that are attacking you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to crumble under the peer pressures or the attacks that are coming your way. So it's important that our foundation is strong. If you have your notes, we as believers are being attacked more so than we ever had. But here's the question. The question is, is your foundation strong or is it weak? It's important that you have a foundation that is strong that be able to withstand the attacks against the enemy, the wilds of the enemy. That's what's important. That's what's going to sustain you under the attacks that you're going through in life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, and I love these words. He says so clearly what he says here in Matthew chapter 7. He says, therefore, he said, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, you know, not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to build your faith, which adds to your foundation, then you're not only got to be hearers of the word, but you got to be doers of the word. It builds your faith that God gives you strength and promises through the word. Now that's why he said you got to be hearers of the word. you got to be doers of the word. That it will build your faith, and as it builds your faith, it gets your foundation stronger. But then he goes on to say, here's these words of mine and puts them into practice, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, I love doing, again, a Michael Jordan. One of the things that Michael Jordan said that made him such a great player, it wasn't the games that made him great. It was the practice that made him great. And what he would say in his autobiographies, he would always say, it was perfect practice that made me prepared for the game. You see, perfect practice means doing everything right, preparing and practicing right, doing the right step and learning what I should do now to prepare me for the game. And so he said, what made me good was practicing perfect, doing it over and over and over again, applying it to my life that made me good. And what God is saying to us, that you need to practice, put into practice that what you hear, that what you read, that what you learn, put it into practice and live it out now so that when the day of attacks come, which they always do, you're ready because you practice and you prepare for your opponent. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9 says, to put into practice those things that I have taught you and said to you. That's what Paul was saying to the church of Philippi. But what is he saying? He said, put into practice. If you read Philippians 4, verse 8, he said, think upon whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, put it into practice. So he said, listen, think upon these things. Put it into practice. Walk it out. When that stinking thinking starts to come, you need to put into practice. Wait a minute. I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm going to think upon whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable in you, Lord. I'm going to Put it into practice so that my practice is going to become perfect so that I can be able to beat the opponent that's coming against me. So you have to put it into practice. But watch what he says. He's in verse 25. He says, the rain came down and the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. Now watch what it says. Yet it did not fall. Why? Because this, because it had its foundation on the rock. In other words, on the rock. 
Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, will not prevail against it. It's your foundation. What are you building your foundation on, or your belief on, or your strength on, or your encouragement on? What are you building on? What foundation are you building on? So he said, if you build on this foundation, you will withstand the attacks that come your way. You, let, me t- let me remind you this. God says that he will be your shepherd and guide you through these things. He never said you wouldn't go through the tax. You see, a lot of times we think that when we accept Jesus Christ, we're going to man have a bed of roses. But what you forget is that roses have the biggest thorns. And a lot of times what happens is your testing and your struggles are to test you and to see where your foundation is or your trust or your belief in God is. God never said you wouldn't go through persecution, hardships, or struggles in life. But he said when you go through them, don't leave your foundation. Don't give up on me. Continue to trust me. Amen? Now, look what he says. I love this. Then he goes on in verse 26. He says, but anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So you see that he calls you foolish. He calls you wise if you listen and apply it to your life. But he calls you foolish if you just let it go through one ear and out the other. And then he goes on, verse 27. He said, but watch this. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Why? Because of the foundation. And my point is, where is our foundation with God? When the storms come your way, which they will, are you vacillating back and forth? Are you, man, going whatever direction and going where the wind blows? Or are you built on the foundations of God that, God, I will not, shall not be moved by that which goes on around me? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't serve God one day and hate him the next. Either you're in or you're out. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot serving God. Either you're in or you're out. God doesn't want a double-minded man because you're going to be tossed and blown by the wind. That, God, I'm committed to you. I'm crossing this threshold. And, Lord, I'm building on the foundations of you, and I'm letting nothing move me off this place. You are the rock. But look, if you have your notes, listen. God has given us one mouth and two ears to do what? To listen or to hear. To listen or to hear. That's what God does. Gives us one mouth and two ears to listen to the instructions or the guidance or the direction for your life. God says, be still and know that I am God, Psalms 46.10. Be still means, that, man, zip it and listen. Listen to the instructions. Listen to what God has for your life so that he can direct you and protect you and keep you safe from the wilds of the enemy. But a wise man, what? He listens. A foolish man doesn't listen. But in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, Look at what James says. I love these verses of Scripture. Verse 19. Dear, my dear brothers and sisters, he's referring to you and I. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, perk up, listen, pay attention. How many of you have ever taken exams at a school and the teacher would always give you a hint? Class, I'm going to give you a hint right now. Take note of this right now. Write this down. This is going to be on the test. Right? And, man, you know what I did? When I was in college, not only did I write it down, but I took out my yellow highlighter and I highlighted it. So when I was studying for the exam, guess what I focused on? That which I highlighted because the teacher gave me a hint. 
And guess what? When I took the test, I was prepared for it because the teacher told me that that was going to be on the test. And so when that answer came up or that question came up, man, I've passed that with flying colors. So that's what God's saying here. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Every, anyone, everyone should be quick to listen. Now get this. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Get those three elements. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Why do you think he says that? Because what happens is, you know what, when I do marriage counsel or when I do a lot of counseling, you know what a lot of times arguments or fighting starts? It's because maybe the other spouse or the half of the, half of the relationship only listened to a little bit of what one, one was saying. And so because they didn't listen to the whole details, they walk into this relationship and he or she says, why didn't you do this or why did you do that? I told you to do this. And it creates a problem. And then what happens, because you didn't listen and because you got caught at what you didn't do, now you come out like a lion roaring to defend yourself and you get angry. And it all because a lot of times our fights start because we don't listen or communicate. And God says, now just listen. Now watch what he says in verse 20. He says this, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, what it does, it hurts. It destroys. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a lie. Words do hurt. Words hurt. And it's hard to erase a word that we may say out of anger or spite. It's hard, and that's why it's quick to listen and slow to speak. But look at this. Watch this. Listening takes time and patience. How many know what I'm talking about? takes time and patience, but it prevents us from destruction. So let me tell you something, guys. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Girls, they speak 50,000 words a day. Us men, we speak 20 to 22,000 words a day. Check it out for yourself. What they say about women and what they say about men is men are active-driven. They're activity-driven. They like to do things a lot of times with their, hot, their hands. That's why they have a man cave. They like to be isolated a lot of times. But ladies are relational. So what happens sometimes is when we get into a, a, a conversation with men and women or whatever, the man says, will you just get to the point? And the woman says, will you just listen to me? And you're fighting because he wants you to get to the point, and you're going around the block ten times until you get to the point. And so because of that, what happens, we become impatient. And then when we become impatient, what we do is we try to scramble out of that and come to the conclusion ourselves. And so being a listener means being patient. Counseling, they say, Chris, you know this to be true. Counseling is 90% listening and 10% speaking. So 90% of the time, it's listening. You know why that is? Because a lot of times when a person you're listening to, what it is is that they're emptying out or they're vomiting their junk. So you give them 90% of the time and the 10% of the time is that you fill them back up with good things. But it's listening. 
taking time and being patient to listen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you made a mess of things because you didn't take time to listen? Come on. Send her, send her down below. Puck her up and let it go. You guys are all lying. You don't want to raise your hand because your husband or your wife is sitting next to you and your kids are sitting next to you and they're saying, Dad did. I remember that time. Mom did. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was a junior in high school, I'll never forget this story, true story. I was kicked out of my home, so I was living with my two sisters in my junior year of high school. And so I brought a dishwasher. No kidding, true story. I brought a dishwasher because I was too lazy to do the dishes. And so this dishwasher, you hooked up to the sink there right there in the kitchen, so it was portable on wheels. You wheeled it up to the kitchen. You fastened it to the faucet there, and then it would, you turn it on and it ran. Well, my sister Janie said, CJ, you use this kind of detergent when you wash dishes. Put it in the dishwasher. Use this kind of detergent. This is what you do. And then she turned me, to, showed me how to turn it on, just throw it on and so forth. Well, that was that. So she left. So back in this, my day, they didn't have Dawn like they have now, right? How many of you remember the dish soap Joy, right? Remember Joy? It was usually yellow, right? And so anyways, I forgot what Janie told me because I wasn't listening. So I took that bottle of joy, and I put that in that dispenser. Man, I filled that bad boy up, and I even thought, I'm going to make them super clean. I put some in the bottom of the dishwasher. I kid you not. I'm not exaggerating. So I turned that bad boy on. Like Janie told me how. Turned that thing. I came in the kitchen about 20 minutes later. It looked like Mr. Bubble all over the place. I mean, it was coming, no kidding, it was coming up the sink. I mean, it was coming out of the drain. It was all over the floor. It looked like that dishwasher was foaming at the mouth, had rabies. It was crazy. It was all over the floor. I didn't know what in the world. I had to walk through this cloud of, of, of bubbles to turn the thing off. Then I opened it up and poof, it popped out at me. And then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, I didn't have a chance to clean it up because my sister walked in and said, CJ! And I said, what? She said, what did you do? I put joy in there. She said, you didn't listen to me. I told you to put that in there. And boy, did that create an issue. I was cleaning that thing up. There was bubbles for months, it seemed like. I made a mess because I didn't listen. And a lot of times what we can do, we can prevent a lot of things in our lives if we would just listen. And listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. A lot of times we don't listen, now watch this, because we don't like taking advice or orders from someone else or somebody. Ooh, ooh. Quit stepping on my bunions, Pastor. But it's true. We got this attitude, I know it all. I got it together. And we look at taking advice or direction or orders from someone as weak. And we look at this man of, hey, uh, man, I got this. You know, my father-in-law, I love him to pieces. But my father-in-law, believe it or not, as you know Cheryl's story, that she grew up poor and I grew up poor. But Cheryl was poor because of her father. And you know why? Because her father, he would get these jobs. And when he get these jobs, he had his opinions of how things should be all the time. That every time he get a job, it only lasts two or three, four months at max because he always had to tell them what to do instead of taking instructions. 
and you get fired at every job. And Cheryl's mom was a nurse, and that's how they sustained as it was because he couldn't take advice. He couldn't take direction. He couldn't listen for instruction. He knew it my way, the highway. Well, guess what? He ended up on the highway. And a lot of times what happens is we're unwilling to take advice because we think it's somebody trying to tell us what to do when in all reality it's maybe somebody trying to head us off for destruction in your life. The Bible says there's counsel within a bunch of godly men and women. And a lot of times we need to heed to the counsel that's around us so that it prevents us from the accidents of our lives. But I love this. God gives us advice. He gives us advice. God's advice to listen for is direction, his protection, his guidance, and his advice. God will never lead you down a dead end, nor will he ever bring you to a place of trying to hurt you. Everything that God does is look for your best of interest. He loves you so much that, man, he wants to spoil you. That's how God, your God is. He loves you, Jordan. He don't want to hurt you or hinder you, but he knows what's best for you. He knows what's best. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you protection, guidance, and advice. Hey, if you do it this way, man, maybe it'll come out better. It's not here to hinder you. And a lot of times we look at that as being hindered, trying to contain me. Or the big word that people use is he or she is trying to control me. Come on. Now I just stepped on your toes. But isn't that right? And we use that word when everybody, when somebody wants to maybe give us advice, we want to jump on the word control. And it's maybe not to control us, maybe it's to protect us. Protect us. And look at this. Taking advice or orders is not a sign of weakness. It's not taking away your masculinity. It's not taking away who you are. What it's actually doing, maybe speaking guidance and direction, instructions in your life. I always tell you that my grandfather was my hero. I didn't have a father like many of you had a father growing up. I had three fathers. I didn't know the personality of, man, I, each father had a different personality. But my one was stable, and that was my grandfather. And you know what? He spoke into my life. He was my hero. And when he said something, I was like E.F. Hutton. If you remember that commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, we listen. I listened to my grandfather. Man, he had some great advice. As he got older, man, it sounded like he was chewing on marbles. You could hardly understand him. A lot of times I would just say, yeah, just a nod. You, you talk like that. But he had some great advice, great counsel. And some of those things, man, that he said, man, I really applied to my life. And it prevented me from, man, having struggles as growing up as a young man. It doesn't mean that you're weak, but look at it. It's a sign of obedience. That, hey, I, you know, to obey is better than a sacrifice. To obey. Obedience shows your love. It's love in action. That, I, hey, I'm going to listen to you. I want to obey because I want to show my love in action with you. It doesn't have to be my way or the highway. I want to show my love in action. And a willingness to follow in love. Honey is better than vinegar. Love is the honey. Vinegar is the anger or resisting or pushing or against advice or direction. It's pushing against that. That becomes vinegar that pushes people out of your life. 
But honey is the love. And love is that embracing of accepting and working together to plan your work and work your plan, dreaming together, advising together. Man, planning your course together with God, with your spouse, with your kids. That's what it's all about. I love this. In James chapter 1, verse 22, now look what he says. Do not merely listen to the word. Don't listen to it. How many of you have ever said this? He or she, they just let it go through one ear and out the other. Man, I tell them till my face turns blue. I can tell them, but they just let it go through one ear and out the other. Are you guilty of that? He says, and so deceive yourself, thinking that you hear the word, but are you doing the word? Do what it says. What did the word say? Be quick to listen. Be patient with our wives. Be patient with God. That's why he said, they that wait, wait, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord. Be impatient with God to speak to you. He'll renew your strength. How many are impatient, whether it be with your kids, co-workers on your job? You're impatient. Our lives have been so wound up that we're so impatient just to invest you know what investing is? It's not maybe doing things, but maybe it's investing by just listening. People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Listening shows how much you care. By listening, taking time to invest in their lives. He says, so do what it says. What is God saying to us? What God is saying, build a strong foundation. That's what God is saying to you right now. He's saying to you with all the struggles and things that are going on in our world right now, Ryan, that, man, you're going to face these things, Ryan, that you're going to go through these things. But how, Robin, are you going to sustain the problems and the pressures and the things that are going in your life right now? It's by building a strong foundation with God. That's why he says, Jim, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, shall not prevail against it. What foundation are you building on? Are you building on the sand or are you building on the rock? You see, listen, God said building on a strong foundation in him so that you can withstand the world's pressures. So how do you build that foundation real quick? Man, that's already got away. Steps for building a strong foundation, number one, and I probably won't get this done. I'll probably just get this Build an honest relationship with God. You build a foundation, first and foremost, by being honest with God. Stop playing games with God. God knows all, sees all, hears all. He knows where you stand. The Bible says you can honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You don't like lukewarm coffee, and God said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spool you out of my mouth. The first step of building a strong foundation is just being honest with God. God, I'm not walking like I should. I'm not doing what I should. I'm not, man, doing what I'm being, a, the, the great Christian witness that I should be. My fruit or my character is not being what I should. God knows all he wants you to be is honest. You know, it's like Jehoshaphat. When Jehoshaphat was faced with this great, vast army that was coming against him, the Amalekites and the Moites were coming against Jehoshaphat. In 1 Kings, you can read it for yourself. And when they were coming against Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat got anxious. 
He got filled with anxiety and pressure. Man, here he was leading this band, this army that he was in charge of. He could have bowled up and told orders from headquarters what to do. But you know what he did? He was honest with God. And you know what he said, Jane? Jehoshaphat, he looked up to the heavens and said, God, I don't know what to do. You see, he was honest with God. He didn't let pride get in the way. He showed his vulnerability that, God, I need you. I'm honest with you, God. I'm laying bare my, my concerns, my worries, my frustrations, my hurts in my life. God, I don't know what to do. You ever felt like that in your life? You see, honesty brings and delivers a miracle into your life. It brings the deliverance. It brings the freedom. It brings the hope because you're giving God the key or the permission to come into your situation. Why? Because you're not making a prison holding them out, but you're being honest, and that's when God can come in. But Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't know what to do, but Jack, my eyes are upon you. And when his eyes, man, connected with God, God set up an ambush for Jehoshaphat. But he had to be honest with God. That's the first step. You see, in John chapter 4, verse 24, he says these words. Go ahead. John 4. God is spirit. Now watch this. And his worshipers, what's it, you, must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does truth do? It sets you free. It sets you free from the snares and the wilds and the lies and the attacks of the enemy. It opens you up to receive the truth, and the truth then will set you free. So you have to be truth. Listen, somehow we have concluded that what we do, what we do is more important than who we are. Man, look at me, Sandra D. Look at what I do. But it's who you are. It's your character. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul when a person dies going to heaven. But what I have seen when the, they're here before this altar, I hear people when they walk by about he or she, man, he or she, man, they truly love God. They were impeccable in their character, integrity, and loyalty to God. That's what they took to heaven. What about you? What about your loyalty, your commitment, your honesty? Your character is who you are. It's who you are. And if you're always fumbling around one day being truthful, the next day building a lie, you're building a wrong foundation. And you're not going to withstand when the wiles of the enemy come your way. And if you know anything about lying, man, you got to find another excuse to make up a lie when you see that person again. And all you do is continue to build Charlotte's Web. I remember, man, if you've seen the, one of my first horror movies I ever saw. I remember. It was called The Fly. You ever see that? The end, man, this fly gets stuck in there. And he turns into a mammoth human fly. And he attacked all these people, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, man, what happened at the end of the movie, he was stuck in a web. And I remember the little tone of that fly when they showed the conclusion of that movie. Help me. Help me. He was stuck in a web. 
And that's a lot of us. We're stuck in a web. And we're crying out, help me, but you can't get out because, I'm being honest, our first priority is loving God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Now watch this. God doesn't want partnership, but ownership of your life. He wants ownership. He wants ownership of you. I always say all he wants is you. Nothing else will do. Not just a part of your heart, but all of your heart. Nothing else will do. God doesn't want you to be lukewarm. God wants you to be boiling hot for him. You have to be honest with God. God, I'm not lining up the way I should. And I'm not just talking about reading and praying. I'm talking about your character and who you are. If you stand for something, believe in what you stand for and live it out to the fullness. Isn't that what Jesus called the Pharisees? Oh, you hypocrites. Because they weren't living what they were saying. And your foundation stands by being honest with God. Can you imagine the enemy come before you? This is a true story. And I got to close. But I want to I I get to this one quote, and then I'll, I'll share this story. Some people talk about finding God as if he was the one that was lost. No. God's never lost. He's always there. True story. I close. So you can read the rest of the notes because next week we go into John. But check this out. I was helping build a church. It was a planning a church there at North Central. And the pastor, his name was Terry Cruz. And I'll never forget this. Never forget this. We were out evangelizing on the streets there in Minneapolis. And right across the street from North Central Bible College, where I was going, there was a gentleman that was reading the newspaper. And it was me and Terry and another gentleman. And then this girl. So it was four of us. True story. I kid you not, Randy. True story. The enemy knows your character. He knows your flaw. He knows who you are. He'll come at you, Tom. And he'll bombard you. So check this out. This gentleman had the newspaper up, never even saw the likes of his face. He never saw us, never looked at us. And we're talking to him through the newspaper, me and these three other people, this girl. And so he's got his newspaper up, minding his own business, and we're on the other side talking to him about Jesus. All of a sudden, you know what he did, Tamara? He put down his newspaper. He looked directly at this girl, directly, Harlan, and he said these numbers, boom, 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 boom. And we're like, what in the world? And before you know it, the girl fell to the ground. She started crying like crazy. And the three of us looked at her like, what in the world's going on? And all of a sudden she said, he just manifested and told me my occult number. That was her occult number. The enemy identifies the ones whose temple is not truly committed. And he will bombard you and attack you and come against you if you're waffling with God. So you start your foundation with God. Either you're sold out or radical or you're not. You can't love one or love the other, the Bible says. You can't serve two masters. Or they're going to hate one or you're going to hate the other. Love one or hate the other. My point is in building your foundation, guys, listen. When you love someone, you'll do anything for that one.
And let me ask you, do you love God? And if you love God, then you got to be sold out. That's where your foundation, that's the pilings, that's the footing, that everything else comes on your foundation. So God, I'm going to love you. When you build a strong foundation, then you boldly can say, the Lord is my helper. Will you stand with me? I know that I get a chance to finish, but building your foundation, Terry. Man, listen, if you know that you know that you know that you love God with all your heart, and if you would die today, let me just ask you a question. If you would die today, and you would stand before the Lord, and you'd say, why should I let you into my kingdoms? What would you say? I've been a great person. Not by works you've been saved. Oh, I've been a deacon at the church. I've done this. No. You know what God's waiting to hear you say? That God, I loved you and I served you with all my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. God wants to hear that. And there's anything that's more important than anything else in this world. Guys, listen. God's not playing Monopoly with you. That when you go past gold, you collect $200. It's a journey. It's a commitment. It's a lifestyle that God, I'm going to live every day. Not just when it feels good. How many sometimes don't maybe love your kids? But you don't give up on them. You still love them. There's times you don't feel like it, but you stay in there. It's the same way with God. Harlan, you build, first and foremost, Daniel, on God. Can, you, can I get an amen to that? I'm sorry I can't get it all done, but let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Let us build on you. Our foundation has to have deep piling, deep roots. Lord, with you, that when the storms of life come, we're not going to be moved. We're not going to be rattled by this fear of war going on and this, that, and the other thing. God, we're going to stand on Christ, the solid rock. Yes, we're concerned, and yes, we're going to pray, and yes, we're going to believe. Yes, we're going to intervene, and yes, we're going to speak up. But, God, we're not going to lose course with you. We're going to stay true to you. Because whatever happens, God, we know that if we are anchored to you, that, God, our destiny will be with you regardless of the outcome. So, Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. Bless them and keep them, meet their needs, and may we build on you. For, Father, we thank you, and we ask this now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, can we give the Lord praise this morning? Can we do that? Amen. Amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Read your notes. Check out about examining yourself. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.